Jay Forty is president and founder of The Forty Factor and is a certified executive coach. Now, he wrote in his blog recently that things have changed for many organizations from how they do business and to how work is done. He added that while many feel compelled to return to the way things were before the pandemic, this isn't really possible today. Many of the things that previously filled our days have been replaced with things that we either never thought possible or thought we would get to someday, like workplaces with fully remote employees, touchless contact, effective video sales calls, home delivery of nearly every product, and even remote doctor visits. He opined that to be successful in a constantly changing global environment, an organization needs to be responsive, resilient, and ready. I believe one more action item is missing from the list, to be relevant. Now, in today's podcast for Future CIO, we speak to Sumit Nurpuri of Capgemini Southeast Asia, Hong Kong, and Taiwan to get his perspective on what it means for organizations to be resilient, responsive, and relevant. Sumit, Welcome to Podcast for Future CIO. Thank you, Alan. Now define for us, what does it mean to be relevant, responsive, and resilient in today's uh, post-pandemic normal? So a interesting question, uh, Alan. In my career, what I've seen evolving is that in organizations, we typically prepare very well for the known knowns, maybe even the known unknowns. What we're not well prepared for often is what we call the unknown unknowns, which clearly manifested uh, you know, a couple of years ago. But I think what most of us have been surprised by is how many organizations dealt with it well, and, and perhaps some not so well. If I look at you know, what organizations that stayed relevant and were able to respond, what were some of the characteristics? I, I think the first one you'd have to choose would have to be agility. Their ability to pivot quickly to what was happening, whether in the market or with their employees. Whether that was a change in, in process, a change in the way they engaged with customers, and most importantly, a change in what we might call operating models. Now, the positive side on this is that over the last few years, many traditional organizations have been disrupted by business model disruptions, by technology innovations. So you think about telcos being disrupted by Skype and, and then by WhatsApp and so on and so forth or by retailers being disrupted by e-commerce. So there's some preparation today in organizations to be agile and to be able to respond. And I think that's really what's been the difference between organizations that have responded uh, well and others that haven't. Given that all that has transpired in the last couple of years, is it too late for organizations to adapt agile techniques or frameworks? I suppose crisis is the mother of innovation, right? Nothing uh, sort of motivates us as much as a, a real push. And I think indeed, so I have a very interesting statistic. Capgemini Research Institute has been doing these studies as part of its digital transformation report for many years. In 2012, we did a study with more than a thousand executives of organizations globally. So it's a fairly good sample size of their digital and leadership capabilities for digital transformation. We define these leadership capabilities being the right org structure, the people in place, culture, things like that. And the digital capabilities more, you know, technology and so on. In 2012, many of those organizations rated themselves quite highly. We did this study again in 2018. You would have expected that organizations would have said that their digital and leadership capabilities have increased in those six years. They had actually gone down. That was their perception. So why is that so? Because they'd realized in that period, because that was the period where people were really doing digital transformation, and they'd really realized what it takes. Not just that, I think the pace of change of technology has been really quick. 
traditionally, we took a long time to adopt technology. So it, it was too quick for them. Now, from 2018 to 2020, things changed rapidly. For digital capabilities, it went up from 24% to 60%. That is 60% of the executives poll said they now had the digital capabilities as opposed to 24% in 2018. And 62% said they had the leadership capabilities as opposed to 26%. So we have quite a change from 2012 to 2018 and then 2018 to 2020. So what is it that these organizations need to do or were doing from 2018 to 2020 that got accelerated by the pandemic, increased investments in digital technology, increased adoption of emerging technologies, operational and business model innovation. But most importantly, and I think this is what has come to fore during the pandemic, talent and culture. I think in our obsession with tech, we ignored this part a little bit in the beginning. And now indeed, it's become the thing that everyone's really, really focused on understanding that culture, people upskilling, employee engagement, uh, these are going to be some of the critical differentiators. I have to ask you this. I mean, you okay, you spoke a little bit about the technology and then you brought in the issue that people, talents have to be brought to bear to take advantage of these technologies. So many priorities for business leaders or operational leaders. Uh, given all of these priorities, where does an organization start and how do you avoid breaking the bank and staying focused on what, what needs to happen in order for the organization to come out of the pandemic ahead of the market? You know, again, as part of this study, and I'm, uh, I'm going to use that to respond, most organizations increase their investments in digital. But what was the difference between digital masters and those that were still lagging or perhaps were not masters, even though they had increased their capability? Two things stood out, culture and people. So which I think surprised us because in the past, the focus has been on uh, very much on adoption of technology and digital and engagement. I think through people and culture, what we're doing is empowering the entire organization and carrying it along rather than a few digital champions trying to create digital while a traditional organization in parallel lumbers along. So perhaps the difference, if I had to sum it up, is in being digital as opposed to doing digital. I think that sums up how to get the best return on investment. Now, most businesses survived the roller coaster of 2020 and 2021. Can you share one or two or three lessons that support the goals for many to be relevant, resilient, and responsive to the marketplace? And, uh, you know, again, great question. And and I think we learn a lot from looking at this. And, and to go back to, you know, uh, what we were talking about earlier, I think it was those organizations that could pivot. And when we sort of look at the commonalities, I think the key word for me is modularity. And uh, I'm going to take an example of technology architecture uh, to talk about what I mean by modularity. So in, in technology architecture, when we say modularity, we mean loosely coupled architectures. Technology has components. Let's not build a monolithic architecture. Let's build loosely coupled components so that when something changes, we can take out one component and put in another quickly. This is the concept of loosely coupled architectures or modular architectures. I think what we realized was that it was organizations that had modular operating models, modularity in processes, modularity in their offers for customers that were able to pivot quickly. Let me explain what I mean. If you were an airline 
Today, you clearly, your passenger revenues have dropped 95%. You need to move to cargo. That's what you're trying to do. In physically, you're trying to quickly change your aircraft to PACC, passengers, cargo carriers. But in your systems as well, you've got to do this so that you're able to market your services, you're able to do all the operational things and so on. Does your technology architecture Does your org structure, do your processes have the modularity for you to change these quickly enough? There's a very interesting uh, fact about airlines. I myself spent quite a lot of time working with airlines. And in 2004, I, I was working for an airline in the Middle East when I read a very interesting article in The Economist. It was talking about how if airlines put the frequent flyer points, which was a liability, right? Because you have to, in a way, you you, are, you have a liability for your, your passengers. If they put them on the balance sheet, they would be broke. That was the argument of The Economist and that they should do that. Last year, there was a different argument that the real value of American Airlines is in its loyalty. If you value all of the assets of American Airlines, it is below the value of their market value. And where is that difference coming from? It's from all its loyal customers that we can tap for a number of other things. So this is the kind of business model innovation that you need to use to think about, okay, how am I going to use my loyal customers to expand my business base? And do I have the flexibility and modularity in my processes or structures to seamlessly develop new offers, whether that's e-commerce, whether that's B2B to C. So for example, today insurance is being sold at the point of sale. So you no longer, you're going to buy your airline ticket and it asks you, do you want a hotel? Do you want a taxi? Do you want insurance? So as an airline, you have now become the ecosystem enabler for a number of other uh, sectors. And and that indeed is one of your key strengths. So I think those are the sort of uh, organizations that have been able to pivot and leverage on their strengths to develop new business models that that have survived and not just survived that have some of them have uh, as you see from the market uh, some of them have done much better than survived right for the most part in your opinion are business leaders in asia open to this new concept of being able to look beyond what they've always been doing and getting everybody to go with them in this direction I guess the industry has thrown up both masters and, and laggards. And indeed, I think one of the things that I like to think about as as an organization that consults with, you know, with, with a number of clients, that it's often not the cutting edge clients of, of the new tech players the, that have come up in the last few years, the unicorns, the, you know, the large companies that need our help most. It is the traditional players in telco and utility and aviation trying to transform. And I think if if we look around, we we see great examples of those that have managed to ride this wave well. We also see some that have struggled. And uh, I think in your question was the answer that thinking out of the box, carrying their people along, adopting emerging technology, operational and business model innovation. The ones who have been able to do that have uh, not just survived, but grown and others have struggled. 
is it possible to do this pivot to be resilient, responsive, and re- and relevant to your customer base without undertaking some form of transformation? Because oftentimes I've been hearing a lot of people talk about transformation here, whether it's business or digital transformation. For the last few years, it's all about transformation. I had to ask, can I not, as a business leader, pivot to become more responsive, resilient, and relevant without necessarily transforming my entire organization, without necessarily adopting the latest and greatest in digital technology? Is that possible at all today? I certainly think that one of the levers today is an increased adoption of emerging technology. But like I said, in my mind, it's almost hygiene, but it doesn't mean you have to go all out there and adopt every emerging technology. In my mind, the most critical element, and we we talked about that, was people and culture. And perhaps if, if you'll allow me, I'll speak for a couple of minutes on what I really mean by that in general, but especially what's changed with the pandemic, you know, hybrid ways of working and, and, and so on and so forth. I think the first is the sourcing model. And, and this is particularly relevant for an organization like Capgemini. You know, we have 300,000 people in more than 50 countries around the world. It's not always possible for us to leverage all of those people for all our projects. If I'm doing a project in Singapore or Hong Kong, it's not always possible to leverage people from across the world. I will say that what's happened in the past couple of years is it's made our clients uh, and our people much more receptive to, to remote ways of working and, and so on. Which means today our sourcing model, it's moved from what traditionally we used to call it outsourcing. A large part of your teams might sit in lower cost countries or talent rich countries and so on and serve from there. And then we move to something called right sourcing having the right people at the right place at the right time. But today we're really trying to move to a model that we call anytime, anywhere, deliver from where you are. So that I think is a key part of of this people thing. Once we expand the sourcing model, we can also expand our talent sourcing boundaries. I think we're much more open now to a a more fluid workforce, freelancers, uh, independent workers, global teleworkers, either within nationally or across international borders. And, you know, I'm based in Singapore. And certainly we'd like to expand for a country that has very uh, high standards of digital and technology and, and is very aspirational. We do need to reach out globally to look at what's happening uh, because I can't always find people here who worked on cutting edge airline work because there's only one airline here or a couple of telcos. I need to look beyond the borders. And so, I, you know, that's been enabled. Then if I talk a little bit more about culture, I think what's also changed today is what we mean by leadership. You know, I'm really taking a a sort of left turn here, uh, you know, from beyond technology to what constitutes authentic leadership. And, you know, we've seen, especially over the past couple of years, that much more than direction and so on, it's become about encouraging autonomy, uh, empathy, transparency. We need to redefine the role of leaders to empower employees to Today, you know, we've got a lot of data and we can make data-driven decisions. Our job, and I think to be able to do business model innovation at scale, to be able to engage customers at scale, we need to be able to make data-driven decisions. You know, a good example of this is the new insurance companies. Traditional insurers have been around a long time. The new insurtechs 
you know, the new insurance fintechs have arrived and they are really good at, I mean, they are the ones who first introduced these predict and prevent models, right, of insurance where you're using smart devices and, and you're able to sort of use those for prediction and prevention. And that feeds into, I mean, the insurance companies are sponsoring fitness regimes, are giving you a few discounts if you're able to show that you walked X thousand steps a month. Now, all of these sort of data-driven decisions and increasing the scale of people who are able to make these decisions. I think those are some of the sort of people and culture elements that we're going to have to introduce. If you you have to look back and we're into 2022, what would you advise business leaders, uh, whether they're laggards or they're masters of innovation and leadership? What is your advice for them from three areas, business, from operations, and also from technology perspective in order for them to become relevant, stay responsive and resilient in the 2022 and beyond? Again, to answer that question, maybe is a little bit of a a summary of what we've been talking about. I think what's happened is that today, both the market, our employees, our customers, their expectations are, are much, much higher. So we need to find a way to engage, to redefine customer experience at scale, which is what a lot of the new organizations that are really successful have done. They've been able to engage their customers, usually digitally to start with, at scale. So we've got to think about how do we redefine the customer experience in the new normal. Second, to be able to do it at scale, we definitely need to be a data-driven organization. So this is a, a, a second element of success. The third is business model innovation. We need to look at how the new normal is redefining the market for us, whether it's in terms of geography, engagement, customer expectations, and therefore, what is the operational innovation that I need to do on our side? And finally, we need to, the fourth element, which sort of underlies all of this, to be able to do all of these things, we are going to have to reinvent the talent journey and the employee experience. We need to carry a much larger portion of the employees along if you're going to achieve these three things. And if I may ask to that, can a company do all of this alone or should they bring in an external organization, perhaps somebody like Capgemini, to help them more efficiently make the changes that is necessary for them to be what you suggest they be, they be responsive, they be agile, they'll be masters of innovation? We need to look at, you know, people who work in a certain industry or a sector understand that sector and industry very well. What organizations like Capgemini, one of the things that we can do very well is bring lessons from other sectors. So if I'm working with an airline, you know, and somebody has been working in the airline industry for a number of years, it's unlikely that I'm going to know more about how airlines run than they do. But what I probably understand better is the telco industry or the retail industry and and how those people are engaging customers. So I think one of the perspectives we bring is this fresh perspective to what you can do. So an airline is a very good example, actually, because airlines have captive customers in an aircraft served by one of the most highly trained customer service agents, and they have dedicated digital access to the customer through the screen in front of them. These are three very, very strong elements that most people 
people in another industry would die to have. So how can we bring some of those lessons both ways? I think this is something we do well. The second, of course, is an external perspective. Often organizations need validation or, or an outside perspective to move further with their decisions. And finally, execution. I think it's an old saying to know but not do is not know. You, you will meet people who say, I know, I know. But you think, but if you know, why don't you just do it? So I think the final measure of success is in execution. And I think uh, that's where, again, organizations like ours can help to sort of tilt the, uh, you know, the bias from discussion and knowing to doing. Sumit, thank you very much for joining us on Podchats for Future CIO. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. That was Sumit Nurpuri, Chief Operating Officer of Capgemini Southeast Asia, Hong Kong, and Taiwan, on the topic of strategies for staying relevant, responsive, and resilient. You are listening in to Podchats for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for our free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podchats for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podchats for Future CIO. Bye for now.